Okay, you go, go. ready to do I a got, countdown? I got my Mountain Dew. We're good. Oh my ready? gosh, Mountain Dew Code Red. That's like battery acid, red. bud. Whatever. <laughs> you know what? Like I said, we're all going to die of something. I'm going to die happy. Have you had that, Jill? Mountain Dew Code Red? No, I've heard of it. It's freaking Fantastic. basically she's drinking food coloring is what we're saying. <laughs> That's basically what she's drinking. <laughs> With, With bubbles. bubbles. <laughs> Carbonated food coloring. Yeah, right. We're never going to get a brand deal with Mountain Dew. <laughs> it tastes like cherries, all right? That's all I care about. Like oh, cherry lozenges, though. Like not genuine cherries. <laughs> it's like cherry cough medicine. All right. Cherry halls, all right? Whatever. Yeah. All right. You enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> Are you ready? Ready? Three, Three two, two, one. Welcome back to another episode of Shit That Goes On Our Head. Today, we have an amazing guest, Jill from the UK, and my lovely co-host, Dirty Skittles. And lovely. Thank you. You are lovely. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's like that sarcastic tone where like, I'm going to get in trouble after for talking about her Mountain Dew Code Red. <laughs> Yeah, you are. So how are you, Jill? I'm very good, thank you. Yeah, looking forward to the run-up to Christmas now. I've started thinking about the holidays and buying gifts and stuff. So yeah, that's that's pretty much what I've been doing today is looking at, at ideas for gifts for family members. When do you start decorating? Oh, really late. A week after I've had enough. I, I want it all down again. Really? But- so you take it down before the new year? Um, pretty much just immediately after the new year. But I know it's become a real thing for people to, you know, start immediately in beginning of December and, and it goes on to mid-January. And yeah, why not? If that's, you know, if you enjoy it, that's great. Yeah, I started the day after Halloween. Really? <laughs> yes. Wow. But it brings me joy. I love yeah. Christmas. And, you know, I was like, why not? I'm just going to yeah, do it, it now. Yeah. It's, exactly. It's, it's knowing, you know, this is part of the theme of what we're talking about today, isn't it? It's about knowing what you enjoy and what's good for you. And it's not doing anyone else any harm. So, right. right. I'm going to enjoy it. I'm curious to see, though. I, I did wonder if by New Year's, if I was going to be tired of looking at it. I don't think <laughs> so. But you never know, you know? We're putting up our tree the day after Thanksgiving. Which is a big thing for you, right? Because when we lost... Yeah. Yeah. So we, in the 28 years that my wife and I have been together, we have never had like a communal tree, mainly because we have eight freaking cats, right? And cats are little (laughs) assholes. But this year, we're going to have a tree in our piano room. We've got a a nice fake tree. We're going to put that up. And then I have a tree that I put put up in my office. Now, I didn't do it last year because I was such a horrible depressive state that the holidays were a blur. but this year i've already got like idea for where the tree is going to go we're going to decorate the front of the house i have some blow-ups that are going to go out so I, it's helping with my mental state and um i'm really excited so yeah great good yeah yeah again it, it's yeah knowing what you enjoy and knowing what's what's good for you it's that's yeah it's different for all of us yeah I have a question Jill how when when would you say you started to really pay attention to knowing yourself and what brought you joy Mm, I would 
would say very early on, from when I was a child, actually. Wow. Yeah, really. I've, I think I've I've always been aware of that. I like I like to have fun. Yeah. And adventure. So I I was aware that that was something that was not necessarily what everyone else liked to do. You know, it's not a positive or a negative. It's just something I recognised about myself when I was quite young. And anything that was adventure, slightly risk taking. My, you know, for a couple of years, my dad got involved in something. I, not sure if it's the same term terminology there, a self-build group. So himself and nine other guys, when we were kids, they built their own houses. Wow. And uh, I just love climbing, you know, with the other kids. We'd, we'd climb up over piles of bricks and make fires and, and, and do all sorts of things we shouldn't really do. But, yeah, I, I think I've, yeah, since I was a child, I've been aware that I like to have fun and I like adventure and, and risk. Wow. And that hasn't changed. Yeah. I was going to ask. Yeah. So from climbing over bricks as a child, but what as like a young adult or even an adult now have you done? Like what's the riskiest thing that, that you've tried? I suppose in different areas. So I, you know, did the traditional thing of, you know, going to school and going through high school and but I couldn't wait to get out. I wanted to explore the world. And actually, I particularly wanted to come to the United States. I wanted to, you know, the, in, in, here in the UK, it's as in a lot of Europe, the rest of the world, it's part of our culture. We all grew up watching films from the United States, bands. So I was just really keen to come to the States to travel so I couldn't wait to get out of school and save up money. And I came to California where I've got family, also to Seattle and spent quite a few months nice. over there. So so travel is always something that's been a priority for me. Um, so, yeah, in that respect, traveling, doing things. Of course, when I was younger with a friend in Europe, we did things that would be considered risky then and risky now. We hitchhiked a lot. So hit, yeah. hitchhiking in France and, and parts of Europe. And you've lived yeah, to tell us about it. <laughs> it was great. You know, of course we thought, no, well, I mean, of course we knew that there were risks and that things could go wrong. But I think the other thing is I've always taken calculated risks. So we bought the house that we current, we've lived in for 30 years, my husband and myself, when we had young kids. And we really took a risk on can we really afford this? But I'm often very clear about what I want and then I think about the options and possibilities about how am I going to get it but yeah I, it's calculated risks I don't think I've ever done anything really stupid that hasn't you know that, that's yeah. been disastrous wow <laughs> you're lucky I'm aware of that that there's there's an element of of luck in all of that you know I, I've as a teenager I've you know, being in a car when, uh, you know, the other drivers are drunk. I've smoked marijuana and driven myself. I've done all the sort of stupid things that yeah. often comes with youth. Yeah, and I've been lucky without a doubt. And and I've seen friends and contemporaries who have not been lucky. So, yeah, I agree. I, th I think there's definitely an element of luck there. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Like, I, I can think of things that, you know, I did in my youth that, you know, 
mistake. I probably wouldn't do now if I was the same age, just because, you know, we all know the risks. Like for us, the, the risky thing for us is we moved from South Florida, upstate New York, didn't know a soul, did that. That was a very calculated risk. And then leaving my job after 15 years, you know, and not really having a plan. But like all those things all worked out for the best, right? Now we have this tremendous group of friends that we love dearly. Now I have a job and a podcast that I love dearly. Like, you know, you look back and, you know, certain times in your life, shit wasn't in the wheelhouse. And then, you know, it just kind of, kind of happens. I'm a tiny bit of a risk taker. I'm a little bit more careful now because at 60, shit breaks. And then when it breaks, takes a really long time for it to heal. So <laughs> I the, the risks that I'm going to take are going to be, you know, something I probably thought about, but I won't do like the things I did as a kid and not even have a thought process around it. I just do it. I still take risks, but they're very different from the ones I did when I was younger. Yeah. It, I mean, even today, because it's full here as it is with you guys, uh, I was walking down the street and being very careful not to slip on the wet leaves. <laughs> <laughs> something, you know, I, I just, I mean, you can do that when you're 20 and break your leg. But what, what you realize when you get older is, yeah, but it's going to take a lot longer to get better and to heal. So, yeah, yeah let's try and avoid that. Yeah, I remember making jokes of uh, like when I lived in upstate New York, if I slipped on the ice walking, like I thought it was funny. Like, oh, look at me. I'm slipping and falling and hurting myself. How funny. And now I'm like, am I going to break something? Could I break an arm, a leg? Like what will happen? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So tell us a little bit about what you do today, Jill. Today I went into town. Uh, yeah, because I thought I'm going to start maybe thinking about getting Christmas gifts. And yeah, I had a look around and got a few ideas. So yeah, that, that was a very um, easy morning for me. And then I bumped into a friend, which was great because she said, you got time for coffee and I did. So that's lovely when, you know, you don't plan something like that and just both find that you've both got time to spend a bit of time with each other. So that was good. And then I came back and I've been reading. Yeah. What are you currently reading? Well, I went to uh, an area of the UK a few weeks ago, well, about two weeks ago, called Yorkshire. And that's where the Bronte sisters lived 200 years ago. They wrote, one of them wrote Pride and Prejudice, one of them wrote Jane Eyre, another one wrote Wuthering Heights. So I thought... I had read Wuthering Heights years and years and years ago. I thought, Do you know what? I'm going to read it again. So, yeah, that's what I'm plowing through. And I say I'm plowing through it because it's not an easy read. But it's, uh, yeah, it's, be, it's been interesting. And you love it. Even yeah. though it's not yeah. an easy read. Man, we yeah. have, uh, you don't want to know what I'm reading. Well, <laughs> nothing <laughs> that great. But uh, I feel like I've just started sort of getting back into it. I, I, when I was younger, I used to read a lot. I remember reading Pride and Prejudice and mm -hmm. I, I don't know, I was just very into like strong women characters and I would read all yeah. the time. And then, you know, life happens and you kind of step away from it and you find other distractions and other ways to sort of get out of your head. So yeah, yeah. now, uh, now I read adult, uh, <laughs> stories. <laughs> it's not good. Um, I, I can't with you. No. So no. <laughs> in addition to, to reading, you also write, correct? 
That's right. Yeah, I do. And in fact, that's one reason why I don't read anywhere near as much in terms of novels anymore, because because I write books, I also do a lot of reading, you know, research around uh, the subjects that I write about. So, you know, that's great. But unfortunately, yeah, by the time the sort of end of the day comes and I think, right, I'm going to pick up a novel and read it. I'm, I'm just all read out. So, but yeah. I, I, I write. I, I've written quite a few books in the last more than 10 years now, yeah. And what do you write about? So I write about, I write along the sub, around the subjects of well-being, personal development, work, careers, mental health, Although, you know, anything and everything that's around that. So it can be emotional intelligence, assertive communication, uh, mindfulness. How did you fall into that? As I said earlier, I couldn't wait to leave school and go traveling. And I did that. But by the time I'd got married and had children, once they started school, I'd stayed at home with them once they started school, before they started school. But once they did, I thought, what am I going to do? I don't have any real employable skills that fit around kids. So I thought, you know what, maybe I'll go back to school now I'm an adult. So I went and did a degree in social anthropology. I figured while the kids are at school, I might as well be at school. It's sort of timing, it all fitted around them. But And that was fascinating. I really enjoyed that. Social anthropology is about people's cultures, their values, their beliefs, their traditions, their history. So that sort of really pulled together a lot of what I'd observed and experienced in my travels. But before I did that degree, I had to do a course to help me with, to build, for all the adults that went on to do a degree, to build their confidence and self-esteem and their ability to write essays. And I found that utterly inspiring because I didn't think I'd done well at school and neither did anyone else on that course. But this really helped us. The two guys that were the course leaders really boosted our self-esteem, helped us to realise that we've got potential, all of us. And I thought that actually after degree, that's actually, I was so inspired by that. I thought that's what I want to do, to be able to help people to realise their potential, whether it's because they're struggling a lot with aspects of their life or they're not struggling, but it just hadn't occurred to them that there's a lot more out there for them. So then I trained to be a tutor in adult education and just got into teaching uh, courses around assertiveness, confidence building. I went back to the university and was hired to teach study skills, which a huge amount of study skills is not just knowing how to study but having the confidence to know that you're doing okay so yeah that's that's how I got into all of that and then with a colleague we were very interested in the idea of resilience so we thought my my colleague my friend Sue she was also had been an English teacher so she although she hadn't written a book English was her thing Um, English was my favourite subject at school and we thought, well, maybe we could write a book. I know everybody, well, many people think that, but uh, we were just really fortunate that we approached a publisher and said, look, we've got this idea for a book on how to be more resilient, how to build your resilience. It's based on a lot of the work that we've done 
helping people to be more resilient. And they said, yeah, yes, please. We were, wow, really? Um, Yeah, and that was my first book with my colleague and friend Sue. What's it called? It's called Bounce. Use the power of resilience to live the life you want. Mm -hmm. And it didn't really sell much, but we were so thrilled. You know, I think anyone would be and is if, if they see their book in print and on a bookshelf in a bookshop. So yeah. we were just thrilled with that. But then the our editor said, well, what else do you teach and what do people really respond to? And we said, oh, well, that's an easy one, assertiveness, assertive communication. People, it's always a very popular course. And she said, well, that's your next book then. And sure enough, we wrote that together and that did sell really well. Wow. What's that one called? Yeah. That's just called How to Be Assertive. I like that. I probably should read that. I'm not very assertive. I mean, I'm more of like, I try to be like even keel and I kind of wiggle wear my way into what I need to say or do. But yeah, I, I like those ideas. The thing is with being assertive is it's very often, it's an ideal way to communicate and behave, but there, we, we also all behave in aggressive ways sometimes or passive ways. And also passive aggressive ways. And there's reasons why we do that in different situations. So it's not a case of feeling that we shouldn't communicate and behave in other ways. But it's just very often people don't behave assertively or communicate assertively because they just don't know how. And actually, there's some very simple, straightforward steps. And you have to be confident. And you also have to know that sometimes other people don't like it. If you assert yourself, they, you know, they go, oh, you're, you're so assertive. And yeah, not aggressive because aggressive is, is, you know, having your own way and barging everyone aside. But assertive means being very clear about what you want and taking responsibility for trying to get it while at the same time taking into consideration other people's needs and wants. So it's quite a skill, but it's something we've all done in the past as well. If you just said to somebody, hey, could you help me move this, pick up this table and move this over here? That's just you being assertive. Mm -hmm. That's you saying, knowing exactly what you want and asking someone else to do it. Mm -hmm. If they they didn't, if they said, no, I can't, I've just, you know, I've got a hernia or I've, (laughs) I've, uh, no, so, you know, I'm not strong enough. So we are all already assertive in very simple ways. It's just knowing how to do that more in our interactions with other people. I I think that's really interesting because now, like when I think about my drama box and setting up my boundaries, that's my way of being assertive, Mm. of, you know, taking care of my own needs. Yeah. Without, without, you know, getting, letting drama come in. So that's a really good, interesting perspective. Yeah, and actually recognising again with taking care of your own needs, taking responsibility for that and recognising sometimes other people won't like that. You know, it it will get in the way of maybe of what they want to do. But, yeah, you can't please all the people all the time. But as long as you're fair and clear and honest with people, it becomes their problem. We can't be responsible for everybody's feelings and reactions. Yeah, I was just thinking, I feel like, like, you know, thinking about myself, I feel like I can be assertive for other people. Like if I see like something is not quite right or, you know, somebody's being mistreated, I can be assertive for them, I think easier than I could be assertive for myself. So 
I don't know. I got some work to do, but <laughs> I think that's because we feel it's uh, you know the the yeah we, when we recognise a need in somebody else, it's it's easier to see the unfairness or, or it being unjust and hey, this is this can't happen for this person. I'm going to, you know, support them or step in. But then when it comes to ourselves, we often question, yeah, but maybe maybe I don't deserve it or maybe mm-hmm. I shouldn't have this. Or we, we start, you know, doubts start to come in. Mm-hmm. It was absolutely freeing for me once I started setting up those boundaries and being assertive for myself. Um, it It's put me in such a better headspace than I was a year ago. Yeah, yeah. And some people don't like it, and you know, at this stage of my game of my life, I don't really fucking care. You know, it's it's my life, it's my happiness. It also helps people realize that you know, maybe their assertiveness or their tactics for being assertive are not like the most beneficial to not just themselves but to other people around them. Yeah, I just think with other people when you are clear and honest and direct about what you will or won't do or do or don't need then you know for example when you do say yeah hey great yeah I'll do that and I'll be involved with that and yes I'm happy to help or or do this then people know you're being genuine because they know when you don't want to do something (laughs) or say I'm not available for that so when you say you are there you you obviously mean it um so I think you you can come across as much more genuine when you can be assertive and it also means that you can help other people to be assertive to actually say okay guys this is what I want to do or where I'm at or where I'm not you know I'm not prepared to do but what about you? Come on, be honest. What? How would you like to do this? So actually, it. I think being assertive actually benefits everybody because you're clear about helping other people to be clear and direct and honest about what they want, and you're you're prepared to take that on. Be open to that. Yeah, and so you don't only write books for adults, but you write books for children as well, right? That's right. Yeah. I, I I was asked by one of my editors a few years back to write a book about anxiety, overcoming anxiety, not because I'm an expert on that at all, but because it was sort of in line with a lot of other stuff that I'd written about around emotional intelligence, positive thinking. And so I was interested to do that. So I did a lot of research, talked to a lot of people. It's you know, unfortunately, it's very easy to find people to talk to about anxiety because so many people feel it in in so many different ways. And in fact, I even dedicated the book on overcoming anxiety to a, f- a friend who, who just totally opened up to me and told me so much about how much she'd had to deal with when it came to anxiety over the years. Um, she was a relatively new new friend, so it wasn't like I... I she disclosed all this and I was sort of like oh my god I had no idea but you know this was she was describing her past but anyway I wrote this book and I looked at well I wonder what's out there for children as well so I looked up some books and just thought I don't really feel there's anything that's particularly helpful (laughs) in a way and I, I had three kids myself I used to be a carer for other people's children so and I'd, I'd done some stuff around child psychology as well. 
So I thought, you know what, while it was fresh in my mind, I thought I'm going to write a book for children on overcoming and managing anxiety and worry. So it was based on what I'd researched and discovered from that and also from my own experience with my own children. And I thought, well, I'm just going to approach some publishers. It took a couple of years, but eventually one of them said, yeah, we would be interested, but really we'd like a series of books. I went, wow, really? (laughs) Um, Okay. (laughs) So we discussed it and I suggested a book on managing, for children on managing anger, one on managing being teased and bullied, another one on jealousy. So, yeah, a series of eight books with, I was really pleased that the editors suggested that at the back of each book there would be notes for parents and carers and educators. So although the the child would read the book or you'd read the book with the child, I was able to put in the back of each book some sort of tips and ideas for how, you, you know, a parent could support their child with whatever the issue was. And we found a great illustrator. So they're beautifully illustrated. Yeah, I was, I was, it really is quite something to write and then have someone else actually take all your ideas and literally illustrate them. I felt like that must be what it's like with um, Elton John and Bernie Taupin. You know, Bernie (laughs) Taupin writes the lyrics and then Elton John puts it all to music. I mean, it must be amazing for Bernie Taupin to have that, wasn't it? Yeah, definitely. That's awesome. Uh, I like that you just mentioned you have notes in the back for parents because I have a six-year-old and we, I started getting kind of books around like dealing with emotions or just different, different types of people. And, and I would read it and always kind of be like, am I, is this enough? Like, is that like, all I have to do is read a book and like, boom, you're like brilliant. Like, I don't know. So (laughs) I love that. What's, um, what is that series called? It's called Kids Can Cope. You know, you can go on Amazon or or any of the big booksellers and put, either just put my name, Jill Hassan, in, into Amazon and or Kids Can Cope and, and up will come these books. I'm yeah. legit getting them. Like, it, it is happening. Like, I, I cannot wait. Because I think, like, he's just at that stage where he's got a lot of big emotions and I don't know that he knows how, what they mean or why yeah. they're there. And, and I'm trying uh, to help him identify that. Like, we started meditating, which... That has been hilarious to meditate with a six-year-old. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I just want him to kind of understand himself a little bit better. So, yeah. And, you, yeah. you know, our listeners are, like, all different ages. And, you know, they have kids and they have grandkids and yeah. or nieces and nephews. I mean, like, I'm interested. I might read the books. Yeah. You know, because of, as we get older, we regress a tiny bit, you know. Yeah, well... Yeah, we yeah we regress. But the other thing is, I I actually gave the manuscript first of all to uh, one of my nieces who has young children herself, and she's thirty five, and uh, she said, "Well, I learned a lot from that, just from from reading the book with you know with with my kids." So, yeah, I think that's another thing that we find when we are with children, whether yeah, as you say, they're are our kids, their nieces, nephews, but when you're discussing and explaining things and exchanging views with children we just 
you just learn so much again. It takes you back to what did I think when I was that age or what was my experience? And, yeah, having to explain things to kids is uh, and discuss things with them is, yeah, it's great for all of us because, it, yeah, it touches the, the child within us as well, exactly as you say. And I, I think the other great thing, too, is it like helps us to normalize that stigma around mental mental, mental health, right? And yeah. know, dealing with those emotions and, you know, bring it to the forefront, like when they're young and not feeling so alone or isolated when they're adults and they're feeling those, those types of feelings or stuff is happening to them. You know, having those books and having being able to go back to them and read them, I think is 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 really cool. Yeah, the talking about emotions. One one of the other things is we all actually have a very limited vocabulary for emotions, which is what I find interesting. We tend to use the same words, each of us. We have our own sort of words. So I'm happy, I'm thrilled, I'm really excited, or, you know, I'm pissed off, or I'm sad, or I'm angry but there's a whole gamut of stuff in between all of that so you know sometimes you might say to someone gosh you seem really disappointed and if they're quite emotionally aware they might say no actually do you know I'm not disappointed I'm frustrated that's what I am so I think that's something else we can do with children that's helpful for ourselves as well is is actually widen our vocabulary because our emotions are very nuanced. We we have these basic emotions, happiness, sadness, disgust, joy. I uh, can't remember the other. There's seven basic <laughs> emotions. But there's such there's such a load of nuanced ones in between that. So, so you know, looking up words for emotions and, and discussing what the difference is. I mean, I mean, even something like, I, I have to let you into a, a bit of a secret here. I once wrote... Uh, I thought I'm going to write something about managing jealousy. So I wrote a piece in a book all about jealousy. And then I, in a further book, I thought, you know what, I've written about jealousy, but how does that differ from envy? They're, They're the same thing, aren't they? Oh, no, they are not. I discovered that jealousy and envy are two different things. And where I had written in the first book all about jealousy, I was actually describing envy. Oh, oh no. (laughs) No one's ever written to me about that. But quite simply, and and I I often say to people, what do you think the difference? Well, let me ask you guys, what was the difference between jealousy and envy? (laughs) When you said the two words, the, the difference to me, what it means, I feel like if I was jealous, I'm... I want what they have. If I'm envious, I appreciate what they have. Like, I don't want it. I'm like, oh, that must be really nice to have that. I don't know. Yeah, we, yes and no. It's okay. <laughs> Failed. Okay. Failed. <laughs> <laughs> Any more answers? Any more guesses? Mine, mine was going to be similar to what Dirty Skittles is, but like, see, this is us learning. Yeah, sure. Right, okay. Write this I'll down. Yeah, write it I'll up. And, and my um, interpretation, you know, I've, again, I've researched it. I've looked it up in dictionaries and, and psychology books. So quite simply, when you're jealous, you're afraid that someone's going to take away something that you've got. Mm. 
So if you're jealous of someone take, talking to your partner, for example, that's a classic mm-hmm. thing that people go, I'm, I'm jealous of that, you know, he or she's talking to my partner. You're concerned that they're going to win over their affections and, and, and take, take your partner away from you. Whereas when, so when you're jealous, you're afraid that someone's going to take away something that you've got through some particular special powers or abilities or skills that they've got. If you're envious, you want something that someone else has got. Mm. So if I envy your envy your house, I might say, wow, I love your house. I'm so envious. I, I would really, not in a nasty way, but I would really like to have a house like <laughs> you've got. Yeah. But I can be jealous of your house I'm, uh, because it doesn't threaten me in any way. So jealous is feeling threatened. Envy is is more benign. It's more like, oh, I'd love to have what you've got. Right. Learning new shit every day. Every day, right? This is why I love doing the podcast because we learn something new with every episode. And That's it's, cool. you know, it's it's stuff we can carry with us, right? And I, Jill, I love everything you've done. And like mm-hmm. the, the books and, yeah, I mean, you've opened my eyes and now I'm going to go buy all your books. <laughs> right. I love you for that. Right. Um, So I have three fun questions for us to sort of kind of end on. First one, what, when you think about your day to day, what has inspired you today? What has inspired me? My, the friend that I bumped into quite by accident, she, she's amazing. She's as a mature student herself, she also retrained and now she works as an occupational therapist in a mental health facility. And she told me today that she's just been offered a new job working with people who are managing quite high-end mental health difficulties, personality disorders and schizophrenia. Um, and she's worked really hard to get there. And she's she's just great at, you know, working with other people. So that inspired me. The fact that she goes, well, I live on the coast in the UK. She goes swimming in the sea every day. And every time, unless it's really rough and dangerous, but every time I see her, I say, you've been swimming today? She says, yeah. I think, oh, my goodness. How, I mean, I just can't even have a cold shower. I can't bear it. <laughs> so, yeah, a couple of things about her today. Her name's Lara, yeah, that, that I find in, inspiring. She she brought up her child, you know, from a very young age. She's, yeah, she's she's had it quite tough, but she's just persevered. She's been persistent. And what I know again about persistence, about the different words that we use is with persistence, it doesn't mean you just keep doggedly going and it, you just keep pushing through and barging everything out the way. Persistence means that when you do come across difficulties and challenges, you are flexible and you find another way around it. So it's looking at moving forward, but looking at, well, okay, there's a block. So what's, how can I get around that? What are my options? How can I do that? So yeah, she, she inspires me with her ability to do that. Um, G-Rex, what about you? What inspired you today? The weather, the weather, because it's starting to get cooler and get, um, and cold weather reminds me really of the holidays. Mm -hmm. 
So it inspired me to um, clean my office up a little bit today so I can get everything ready for the holidays and just um, some different things, different traditions we're going to try out this year uh, with our our family and our friends. Um, I'm Like I said, I'm in a much, much, much better headspace this year than I was last year. And I, I want to try and uh, do some things that my mom really liked doing around the holidays and instill that kind of into what we do now for the holidays. I love that. That's awesome. Right. So what yeah, about you? Being outside, getting out of the house, being in the fresh air, looking at the last bits of leaves as they fall, like just being yeah. outside. It was very calming and relaxing, refreshing. It was all, all inspiring. And it also was like, you know, take a minute right? Like take a minute away from the craziness and just kind of get outside. So that's good. Next question. Um, yeah. Looking at your career so far, what has been the most rewarding thing? Uh, seeing other people fulfill their potential in so many ways. I, I get a, I, I'm just so fortunate that people keep in touch. They, I get immediate feedback. Sometimes people tell me, wow, that was, you know, such a great book or a lesson or a course that they've been on. Yeah. People email me and tell me about how my books have really helped them to get through a difficulty in life or inspired them to do something in life. So yeah, that, that's just the feedback. I'm, I'm very fortunate that that I get that, that, that people let me know how much what I do and my work has helped them. Yeah. I feel like that's us too. Like we can share that sentiment in the podcast that we have. Like, it's very rewarding to hear that people are listening and enjoy it. So. Yeah. And I think, I think it's something that, you know, it's important for people to realize that you don't have to write a book, run a course or, or deliver a podcast that we can all contribute mm-hmm. towards each other in, yeah. in some way. I know it's a cliche, but, you know, it's the little kindnesses that counts. It's just, you know, maybe complimenting somebody in a, a, a store who works behind the counter mm-hmm. or, yeah. Just be nice to each other. Some small thing. Yeah. Yeah. Be kind. Yes. Be kind. Seriously. Yeah. Okay, last one. Um, mm-hmm. And G-Rex, you've answered this before, so feel free to skip it if you want. Um, last one, Jill. If you can go back to a younger version of yourself, what would you tell yourself and how old would you be? Oh, yeah. Gosh, that's interesting. <laughs> I, would, <laughs> I would tell my young teenage self, so, so sort of, for, you know, between the ages of, 12 to 18 you know what things will work out you will become an adult and you will be a lot more independent and be able to make your own choices and forge your own path you're just gonna have to wait it out you'll find you'll find your um it's an expression we use here I don't know if you do that you'll find your own tribe Mm -hmm. I had friends as a kid but not people that I really felt that I they understood me and I understood them that that happened once I got into my late teens I found the right sort of people and friends so that's what I tell myself just be patient and unfortunately that was something I just grew up with anyway my dad used to say to me often Jill just be patient and he was absolutely right yeah I love that I love that I actually do have one 
So I would have been in my 40s. And I would have told myself, set those boundaries. Mm. I think if I had done that in my 40s, that things would have been different for me going forward. Like I probably wouldn't have had a mental breakdown. I probably would have made some better career decisions, things like that. Mm. Setting boundaries is super important. Yeah, and you, have, totally and you have agree. to make it. A, you've got to make it a priority. Yeah, you have. You've got to be assertive with yourself. You've got to say no. This is what I, what I decided my limits were. That's it. I agree. Well, this has been wonderful, Jill. Thank you Thank so you, much Jill. for hanging out with us, talking to us about what you do. I'm. I swear to you, I'm going to buy the series. I cannot freaking wait. Yeah. As soon as you said <laughs> Amazon, I was like, yes, getting it now. <laughs> <laughs> it's happening great. I've had a great time chatting with you both thank you thank you so much it's okay to be not okay just make sure you're talking to someone